Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 38 of History on the Table. Rich, the Blues are up 1-0. I know. Fight Still behind 3-2 in the series, but I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, hey, you, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and you got to beat Colorado, so I'm, I'm all for it. I'm even pulling for you guys. Yeah, Anyone that, but Colorado. But the Canes need to win. That last game was amazing. I mean, even even if we don't pull it out, that last game was just fantastic. Well, as much as we want it to be, this is not hockey on the table. This is history on the table. And we could talk hockey all night. As a matter of fact, we did talk hockey most of last night. That's right, yeah. Uh, so maybe we should talk some games. And so, I don't know. You got any news this month or anything? News. Not really. I can't think anything anything newsworthy. And we'll talk about the newsletters later on in the show, but no, I can't think of anything. Yeah, we got three newsletters to work through uh, tonight. We got GMT's May update. They're they're way early. I think I think they got confused <laughs> with the baby news. Yeah, and they panicked, be. and they're like, "That baby could come any day. We need to get this out." Now, are they just going to hold their next couple newsletters until we record again? <laughs> you know, I think they want to, but I told them I don't think that makes good business sense. So they should just go ahead and okay, as long as they checked uh, with you, that's all right. Yeah, and then and then we have uh, legions. So I'm trying to take the lid. I put like a lid on my wine, and it's just like it's not a good fit. So I had to take wait. That hold off. on, hold on. <laughs> what do you mean a lid on your wine? Are you talking about on the bottle, or do you have and then like a a, a tumbler or something? Uh, it was a tumbler. Okay. I don't, I don't know why I put the lid on it. So it's usually not good to take wine in like tumblers that are designed for travel mugs and cars and things like that. No, this is <laughs> a. Uh, not a very tasteful, but I do use it. Uh, my wife never uses it. It's a it's a wine tumbler that says mom juice. Okay. Uh, but my well, wife doesn't use it. so Especially not now. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> not now. But even, anyway, yeah, it's just kind of tacky. So I use it out of All right. a cheap laugh. Okay. Uh, so it is quarter two, and Legion has their update. And then Revolution Games has a big sale going on, and they had an update. So we got we have three newsletters to work through. Huge sale, yeah. In fact, there was one, Revolution, they've got Celis, which I played a couple months ago, for 18 bucks, which is insane. That's a pretty good deal for a war game. Yeah. And I've heard good things about Celis, too. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed it. That's not to be confused with the game you didn't like. Correct. That is not Konigsberg 45. That's what I was thinking of. Which is on sale. Yeah. Um, so, if you don't make it to the newsletter section, go to Revolution Games' website, and they've got, I don't know, two dozen games on sale, something like that. But yeah, we'll get to that stuff later. I don't have any other news, so I think we can just get into it. Yeah. Games that we have purchased. All right. You had a big one. Uh, yeah. Uh, ASL Sword and Fire, which is the Manila historical ASL module. Um, it's still sitting there in the shrink, but it is on my shelf now, so I own it. I actually been... So it's even bigger than Red Factories. Whoa. It's huge. Okay. Yeah, it's six maps. Wow. So, so, like, can you do the whole island? <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. I mean, it's... It, I haven't I haven't actually... Like I said, it's still in the shrink, so I haven't gotten everything out yet, but it's, it's, a, it's a big monster, and I'm looking forward to playing it someday. It is not the whole island. That'd be ridiculous. No, but it might be the whole city of manila i don't know um doesn't look to be the whole city it's like the southwest i'm looking at it, it's like the manila bay and everything southwest of the river it looks okay. like an awesome map yeah yeah I've, I've seen pictures but i'll probably get it out pretty soon because i mean this is not one that i'm gonna like hold on to and sell when it's valuable i'm definitely gonna play this just not not today not this year but i might get it out and at least see what the map looks like 
Speaking of a game that's going to take me a long or takes a long time to play because it'll be a while till I get to it. Almoravid's here. Yeah. This is the Spain uh, entry into Living Campaign. And this is the second one to actually release, right? Yes. Okay. So this is the second release. Uh, yeah, and that's that's really. I have been in some discords where I've been listening to guys play it or uh, different people play it, mm-hmm. and I think there's some new things, like if I think cities can have gardens and you can levy inside a garden if you're under siege. I've not read the rules. This was pretty much okay. a blind buy, just based off the per, based sure. off the topic and based off levying campaign. Yeah, that's how I was with uh, Plantagenets and Norman Conquest, I think. Nice. So I like the system. I knew I would be interested in those two games. Right. Anytime you have a system, the interesting thing is to see what's different in the next version. So I'm definitely curious about this one to see what's different from Nevsky. Yeah, and that's the. I guess that's what I, you said it better than I did. What's There is different things here, and that's, mm-hmm. that's exciting for the Levine Campaign series that you know, we knew Henry was going to be different because it's meant to be like the shorter playing one. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see that there's developing. It's not just here's Nevsky and let's paint it to be uh, Italy, you know. Yeah. So that's cool. I'm looking forward to it. I have no idea when it's going to get to the table. Well, it'll be there waiting for you. That's the nice be. thing about games is they don't complain when they sit on your shelf. They don't. They don't. They they complain when it gets crowded and more like, oh, <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> well, let's talk about some books because I read a book you recommended. Yeah. How'd you like it? I thought I it was I guess we fine. should say what it is. <laughs> it's it's Six Frigates by Ian Toll. Uh-huh. Topically, it was the perfect pairing for one of our featured games tonight, which is Captain C. Sure. Like, it, it was, it's what you should read. I just thought it was fine. Yeah, just fine? Yeah. Interesting. It had some really good parts. I loved it. Uh, I know. I thought... The chapter on the uh, the Battle of Trafalgar was just unbelievable. But that was me. I enjoyed it. The the one in the beginning of the book? No, uh, the one toward the end of the book. It was like, I mean, because obviously the, the book. The book um, starts with Trafalgar and then. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of a different. I'm thinking of something else. Uh, Six Frigates. Yes. Uh, that's the one mostly about the American. That about the American. Yeah. Yes. I love that one, too. I liked. Um, oh, I liked the one, the raid where they they went into uh, and, and burned their own ship because it had been captured. Yes. That, that was, was a highlight of the book. Yes. Then <laughs> um, there was a lot of really interesting information and a lot of it was like. Basically, like, Congress would argue and bitch about spending money on the Navy. Oh, yeah. Something would happen, then they'd stop spending, then something would happen, then they'd argue about spending money for the Navy, and then they'd bring the Navy back, and that's kind of... It was... Uh, that's an area of history I really knew nothing about, like the formation of the United States Navy, and these frigates were designed to be faster... Th- yeah. More armed than other frigates, but faster than battleships. Right. And basically their their purpose was if you see a battleship, you're fast enough to get away from it. If you see anything else, you're strong enough to take it. It was it was, it was good. I don't want to like seem too harsh. I just know you really loved it and I read it. I thought, yeah, it was No, good. I think that's good. I I mean it's now the listeners know we're not in lockstep with everything. Right. So. That's right. We're allowed to have opinions. <laughs> So I read a book. It was a history book. It wasn't a military history book, but um, Americana by Hampton Sides. So I, like I read. Hampton Sides. Yeah, I do like Hampton Sides. I read what was the the name of the Korea book he wrote? 
on Frozen Ground. Yeah, that one. And I liked it so much that I just wanted to read something else by him. And he's got some other military stuff, but he's got a lot of stuff that's not military. And I actually, you'll you'll see from the other book I read, I just kind of stepped away from military stuff this month. Um, but it's just, it's a series of vignettes, really. Every chapter is completely separate from the other, but they talk about everything from Tony Hawk to biker gangs to guys huh. that travel through America in those Aerostar campers. Um, they talk about... Um, like some post 9-11 stuff and they even talk about some Americans overseas like fighting the war on Iraq but it's just it's just every chapter is a different vignette on a piece of Americana and it was it was good I liked it quite a bit okay if you had to rate it out of five what would you give it uh probably a four three and a half or four okay yeah I mean it was just a good you know I mean it wasn't intense or anything just just a good uh sort of palate cleanser read nice yeah I, I read a pretty decent book. Um, we've talked about Tim O'Brien before. The, he's written rot, lots of different things. I would say he excels at creative nonfiction. Uh, and this is If I Die in a Combat Zone, covering uh, his time in Vietnam, mm-hmm. which wasn't uh, combat intensive. And he tells you right off the bat, it's like, this is the last time I even saw a VC soldier. Um, not to say that he wasn't attacked or you know ambushed or anything like that. It was good it wasn't great it wasn't you know matterhorn and it wasn't chicken hawk or any of those others but i would say it was you know a solid three out of five a good very quick read with he is really a good creative nonfiction writer where it's more like there's a lot of story added to it and maybe some embellishments or where he talks about like a dream or like visions or stuff like that have you read this or which one am i thinking of rich read my mind from Tim O'Brien or from a similar one from someone else? From Tim O'Brien. Hmm. I'd have to check and see. The Things They Carried. That's oh. Something. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever read either of those. So Things They Carried is is fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's like an artistic take on pivoting back and forth between like being home or being a child and then pivoting back to Vietnam. It okay. took me a long time to get into it. Um, like my first go, I bounced off hard and then I finally went back to it and then it really, once I stuck with it, it's a solid, very good book, four out of five. So both of them I recommend, they're both super short. Okay. All right. You got something else? Yeah. The other one I read again, history, but not military history. It was actually one of those, uh, it was on audible. I think it was free. Uh, it was one of the great courses, but it was the history of bourbon. I thought it'd be <laughs> nice. interesting. So it was okay. It was fine. Um, you know, it was a very, very light read, nothing fascinating to listen to, but if you like bourbon, then, you know, they, they talk about the history of bourbon. So my brother last year for my birthday, got me a book called in a bottle of rum, which yeah. is, um, it tells history through cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't read it, but it, that sounds it, seems like like it might be more interesting than this one. Okay. I mean, there was, this one wasn't bad. But it wasn't great either. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but it was, it was just a, such a, a light listen. So, did you have a did you have a fact that stuck with you from it? Um, let's see. So I remember they the, the basically bourbon and I guess all sort of distilled distilled spirits all come from um, aquavita, which is like a medicinal. You know, basically they, they would just brew like hard liquor or whatever and distill it. And that would be medicinal back in the Middle Ages. So everything 
basically all of our distilled spirits come from that in one form or the huh. other. That's funny. Yeah. Even like tequila? Uh, probably, but I huh. don't know. Maybe not tequila. Rich, if I say Lynn County, Kansas, what comes to your mind? Lynn County, Kansas? Yeah. I guess Lynn County doesn't mean anything to me, so I just think of Kansas and I think of the Jayhawks. Well, okay. So <laughs> the the pride, it's my understanding, I have been informed that every young strapping man from Lynn County, Kansas, <laughs> as soon as he comes out of his mother's womb, is handed a copy of uh, Rifles for Weighty by Harry okay. Keith. Uh, is what I've been informed. And uh, so I always thought it was Sam Wati, but the narrator pronounced it weighty. I'm okay. sure Lawrence, our good friend Rex, will let us know how wrong I am either way. is that So where is Lynn County? Is that where uh, Capital is? or No, 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 no. Lynn County is small. And it's southeast of, of Lawrence, kind of like southwest of Kansas City and southeast of Lawrence like it's a if you were to draw a V and Lawrence was one the left side and Kimsey was the right side and he mm-hmm. just went down okay that would that'd be it Mount City is Lacine those are the cities but anyway it's just north of Fort Scott gotcha um <clears throat> so yeah so this this book is a 1970s or a 19 I think it's 1970s uh, young adult fiction about this young lad who joins the Union Navy because some bushwhackers come, mm-hmm. and so he's tired of it. So he joins the Union Navy, and then he falls in line. So he wanted to join that Kansas-Missouri skirmish, and he joined the Navy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to leave it in, and we're going to roll with it. Uh, so he goes to Fort Leavenworth to join the Union Army, okay. the Kansas Volunteers. Um, and so really all this book is doing is stroking the ego of individuals from Lynn County and then myself as well, because it's talks about Fort Leavenworth a lot. Uh, it's young adult fiction about the civil war from the seventies. If, if that, if you catch my drift, like it's pretty problematic. Kind of like red badge of courage kind of thing. Yeah. But I think red badge of courage is a little less offensive. Maybe (laughs) this guy has got something with dishwater. So these bushwhackers come and they don't have the guns not loaded. And so they fin them off by pouring hot dishwater on them. Okay. And then later on, he's carrying you a... you sure this wasn't a TV show? You no. Saw? <laughs> I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you. And this is all within, like, the first hundred words. So then he goes to Fort Leavenworth and he joins up with the uh, the Kansas Navy volunteers, Kansas Army volunteers. And uh, his his officer kept drinking his soup. And so... Or taking a taste test. And so one you're, night... You're actually making me want to read this book. Uh, well, one night... I don't know if that's your intention. Well... You know, I feel like it's our duty um, for all of us to read this book. I was a red badge of courage mm-hmm. man myself, young lad. Uh, I read that when I was in fourth or third grade or fourth grade. Um, anyways, so he decides to show his officer one night that, and instead of soup, he co- he comes out of the kitchen with the big pot with a lid on it, and his officer takes a, a swig of it and starts spitting it out, and it was dishwater. So I'm like 100 pages into this book, and dishwater has come up <laughs> twice. And I am convinced that he's going to stop Sam Wati by having him drink dishwater or something like that. No spoilers, because I'm not there yet. But All right. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. I've never heard of this book before. Yeah, I don't think anyone outside of Lynn County has heard of this book. So he... Sam Wadi or Sam Wadi is a counter in the U.S. Civil War from Victory Games. Really? So he was a, an officer? 
Yeah, he was he was kind of a link between the Confederates in the West and certain tribes. And he I think he was kind of the broker between them to at least like an uneasy alliance, you know, for them to work together where the Confederates hmm. would say they'd leave him alone. And he was in charge of he commanded some troops in, I assume, out of Oklahoma, maybe out of Kansas as well. I'm not that far in the book yet, so I don't know. But anyways, this this kid goes, he like ends up going undercover for the Confederates. Okay. And he, he goes up to Fort Labyrinth and like the first kid he comes across. And this kid's name is Jefferson Davis. <laughs> and he gets, that's what starts it all with his commanding officer is he doesn't, his commanding officer doesn't put any respect on his name. So is, and is this real? Because. It's a piece of fiction. And oh, okay. So I it mean, is. Okay. I'm just the Jefferson Davis thing because I, mean, I know when I saw the name, I th- I thought, at what lens is this author from the '70s writing r- this book? Right, and I'm not sure yet which lens he is writing it through. It's pretty bad. So he's walking up there, and like one guy's like, "Hey, Jeff, where are you going?" <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm gonna go join the Kansas Volunteers." And he's like, "Okay, I'll go with you. I don't need to tell my mom and dad; they'll know where I went." <laughs> and then he walks up the road a little bit. Another guy, "Hey, Jeff, where are you going?" I'm joining the Kansas Volunteers. I, I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to tell my mom, though. Sounds like, like an episode of Little Rascals or something. Right. <laughs> I was thinking like um, Tom Sawyer or something like that. Anyways, that's uh, that's Rifles for Wati by Harold Keith. And sadly, I think that'll probably be the last time we mention <laughs> that book on this episode or on this <laughs> show. All right. <clears throat> now that everyone's uh, ordered their copy of Rifles for Wati, which may or may not be in the prize pool for Historic Fest. Um, we can talk about some games. Yeah. I actually didn't get to... Well, as far as war games, I played a decent number of games this month, but most of them were not war games because my daughter was in town. Uh, she was home from college after the semester ended, and now she's gone back because she's working there over the summer. But we played a lot of games that were not war games. So you'll be handling most of this segment. Yeah, I was, I guess, in like a crunch to get as much in as I could before it all yeah. the well dried up. So I played a game from UNP Games, which they designed Waterloo 1815 or W1815. Have you heard of that game? That was the one that was in CSI, right? No, W1815. I don't. Oh, think yeah, it's it was. yeah, W1815. Right, I do remember that one as well. Yeah, and so it's like a little 15-minute Napoleonic game. It's supposed to be really good, but it's they're a Finnish company and so I think it's a little hard to track down anyways I played Helsinki 1918 uh this was pretty good it's really light it's designed for two or three players and what and what I would say so you have the Germans you have the Reds and then you have the Whites Mm -hmm. I would never in a million years unless you were like playing at a convention and someone was next to you at the table be like hey do you want to be the Whites player because They have so few interactions that if I pitch this as a three-player game, I'd be severely disappointed if I was the third player. So, two-player game covering Helsinki during the Finnish Civil War, and it's the the activations start out differently depending on like which day it is, and so it's a beat the clock for the Germans to control different points throughout Helsinki. They start out with a lot more activations and a lot stronger, but if they push too hard, if they're too aggressive and lose troops, that eats away their time frame okay and, and there's a cup there's like one side theater that can kind of help with reinforcements and another side theater that can mess with the reds but basically the main german thrust is on the far left side of the map they need to drive into helsinki 
and they need, need to do it before they run out of time. The Reds will never hold out, but it's so how many what, roadblocks. What mechanic enforces the uh, the time on that? So that's that's a pretty cool deal. Like each day is broken into time slots, and every time the German player does some kind of activation, that eats a time increment. And I don't. Each day maybe has thirty increments. I don't know for sure, but the units are like block sticks like not a cube they're like long like the atlantic chase fog of war blocks or the uh convoy blocks you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah so that's like each troop and so if one of those dies it eats up three of those time track spaces okay um and so every time you do an activation you're eating that time eating that time whether you're marching or bringing on reinforcements or just drawing cards there are some cards that like give you special abilities and then um combat i don't remember it being remarkable in any like just straight up kind of basic combat the game clips along really nicely like it's really short you take your activations bam 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 move we fight the one interesting thing is you track which hex side they enter the um the hex through and then you kind of look at like are the retreats canceled are they outflanking them like a really simple version of like the gcacw flank rules almost are kind of in play here so okay a really light game like once you know the rules i'd say this probably takes two and a half three hours that's it to play it's fun it's light i it's it's not very expensive i would play it again just to like do better but it is kind of like the reds are just kind of holding out as long as possible while the germans roll them up and the germans get like one amphibious landing in Helsinki, and then you get the whites which are a really cool element like they can rise up and like cause all this like disruption in helsinki but their activations only come up if the die roll for activations is a tie between the Reds and the Germans. And so our whole first day, I think we had one white activation, and there was no pressure on the Reds yet, so they just like kept arresting the Whites. Yeah. And so it's a cool idea for how the Whites work, but in our game they never got like the traction to actually like show off what they could do because the Reds didn't really have anything to do in the city other than arrest Whites. So who controls the whites if you only have two players? The Germans. Okay. Yeah. And that's how I would do it. Again, unless you're like, someone's next to the table, be like, hey, the whites are up. Do something real quick. <laughs> yeah. So eh, a, a very, like, just a good game. Nothing yeah. great, nothing remarkable, but, like, given if you get the chance to play it and you have three hours, I'd say it's worth checking out. That's Helsinki 1918. Cool. Um, I played a couple games, well, in a couple games, a few turns. I played twice of Paths of Glory. Um, played with Paul online and uh, the same guy that you, for the listeners, same guy that you played at Donkey Kong with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had played it before, but I think we missed a lot of roles. We were both kind of learning it, didn't really know what we were doing. And Paul knows it pretty well, so he was teaching it to me and, you know, really started to click now. And I'm enjoying it quite a bit. We played a couple turns. Um, I'm not sure when we'll get back to it, but I think we will. And um, for those of you who don't know, it's a it's a card-driven game. It's World War One. It's... Um, I mean, it's really a, a very, it's a classic Ted Racier game and, um, I just, I, it was fun. It was interesting. People really complain about it because the line of supplies rules are absolutely brutal. And that happened to me. I mean, I lost two full armies because I got cut off. Um, and if your, your armies get cut off, they're just at the end of the turn, they're going to die and they can't rescue themselves either because once they're cut off, they can't activate either. So, um, it's, it's rough. Um, but you know, that's 
he's it's a design for effect that's what he's going for it's a fun game there's a lot to do in it because it's only two players and it's basically the entire you know both both fronts uh including down in turkey and the middle east and everything of world war one so uh you're never going to get to do as much as you want to do and you've there there's some mechanics in there that sort of make you do certain things there's mandatory offensives so you know if the powers that be say this certain austria-hungary has to attack italy well like i don't want to attack italy they're <laughs> they're that's a waste of my time but i have to do it anyway so it was a lot of fun Good. I have played about a half a game of that myself, and yeah. I loved it. There was some recent conversation on the most recent Advanced After Combat episode where, like, uh, I don't remember who raised the point, but, like, if you're playing this for, like, a perfect World War One game, I don't think this is what you want. But if nah. you're playing this for a good game experience, yep. then obviously Paths of Glory is one of the most popular, most successful war games Ever. I mean, it's one of the the best from like a, a popularity standpoint, not, you, you know, it's. Yeah. And I, I guess it's it must be very evenly balanced, too, because I know a lot of people like to play it competitively. Sure. So I'm going to talk about a few games, but really what I'm talking about is a website called rallythetroops.com. It's rally-the-troops.com. Right now they have seven different war games on their website. Uh, 300 Earth and Water, which we've talked about. They have four of the Columbia Block War games, Shores of Tripoli, and Wilderness War, and their alpha servers right now are developing Pax Premier, and I've been playing that, and it's great on their website. And so this is, you know, it's not too different than Board Game Arena. It's it's free to log up, sign up, and play, and you can play asynchronous, you can play live. It's just a web-based platform for historical board games, and... The highlight for me, I played a few games of 300 Earth and Water on there, mm-hmm. which is a ton, tons of fun for like a 15, 20 minute game. But I've been playing Hammer of the Scots, Julius Caesar, and Crusader Rex, and I've been having a blast with them. Nice. That's Finally. Awesome. I mean, all of those games are, especially Hammer of the Scots and Julius Caesar, are definitely classics. And I've wanted to play those games, but never have. So now I've got an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I think since I've I signed up two weeks ago, one, two, three, four, eight. I finished nine games and I'm playing another four right now of different games across the website. Um, really nice interface. And then, uh, Rich, you've you know him and uh, friend of friend of the show, recent friend of the show, uh, Patrick has really been the driving force behind. We did three matches of Julius Caesar. And then we did, we're playing Hammer of the Scots now. I'm playing another Hammer of the Scots game and then a, uh, the Crusades game. Richard, the, not Richard the Third, Crusader Rex. Okay. Um, they're great. And like you, those are, those are games that I've never had a chance to play. Everyone talks about how classic and great they are. They're great introduction war games. They're just so fun and they play differently. Like they have the same base rules with how, how combat works between the different blocks. They're all block war games with Fog of War. But... The victory conditions are so different. In Hammer the Scots, when you kill a lord, they'll actually switch to the other side. So it's kind of like this cat and mouse game where you're trying to take control of the most lords. Julius Caesar is a uh, control of different key cities, but it's also like this naval game where you can do some amphibious landings and control the seas. And then Crusader Rex is also 
victory points base but it has like you can you can hide in castles and and fortify and make them come siege and you know sally out and all that stuff okay so they each have flavor text that really add to them i think like online if you're both playing live you could almost like play these in 30 minutes i bet with these nice now is caesar is that uh his conquest of the gauls or is that romans versus romans so that is uh roman civil war Okay. So it's it's Pompey and, and Caesar. Okay. And then like Cleopatra's got a, a cube and all that stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, it's highly recommended. And if those don't sound good to you, well, there's three other games on there: Wilderness <laughs> yeah. War, 300, and Shorts of Tripoli. Yeah, absolutely. And you've talked about 300. What a quick fun game that is. So that'll probably be the first one I'll try pretty soon. Yeah, and you know what? Here's the other thing about them that I'll mention. Last thing on them is all the rule books are on there. Yeah. And the the Columbia Block Wargame rulebooks are like eight pages long, and for all of them, there's like three columns on each page. Two of the three columns are rules text, and like the third is like flavor text. Okay. So my point is, the rules are really light and really short, and so if you have an interest in playing these, like read through the rules, hit me up on our Discord, I'll be happy to drop in any asynchronous game of these Columbia Block Wargames, or 300. Nice. So that's Rally the Troops. Yeah. Well, you keep going, because like I said, my other stuff wasn't war games. Yeah, so I'll be quick on this one. I played a like a full-blown, full-matched game of Warhammer 40K. Nice. Uh, Kill Team. This is Kill Team, so it's a skirmish-based Warhammer 40K game mode. You bring about 10 different miniatures, individual miniatures, to the battlefield, and they're it's tactical-based. And so a lot of scenarios driven. We played a really fun one where we had to like siphon fuel at a one point in the middle that was already a cool objective and then by playing with the full full rules you each pick three secret tactics cards they can either be faction specific or they can be like my my kill team is like recon and search and destroy base so i I have access to all the recon and all the search and destroy missions and i build a deck of those and then i'm going to pick three of them and my opponent doesn't know what those are, and I can reveal them at certain times. And so it just adds this, like, yeah, here's this really cool objective where, you're like, you, this the middle turns into this, like, gauntlet death match where you're trying to run away with the fuel. It felt very Mad Max. But then there's this added layer of we're each doing our own secret thing and, like, monitoring the board state in our own way. I'm having a blast with Kill Team. It's a lot of fun. I think it's the right window for me. Sure, I would love to do 40K one day with, like, a massive table and just experience it. But, like, Kill Team... I, I think once the guy I'm playing with, I once we both really know the rules, like you could knock this out in two hours and have a great time. Yeah. I like, uh, I don't play Warhammer, but I play Legion, which is Star Wars Legion. Yeah, similar games. Um, the problem with Legion and the, the small scale, the three by three, is that the scenarios are just not as interesting. Mm. But it sounds like it's not necessarily the case with Warhammer. Yeah. So what they do, of course, you know, they come out with all this stuff to suck your money, of course they'll come out with a box set. And so I bought the box set with sisters of battle and the Tau pathfinders. There are really great missions or it's a blend of like good and bad missions. I'm sure mm-hmm. specific to that set. So like each time there's like this new box set, there's new missions coming out. Plus you have all the like core missions or I'm, I'm sure you could just like drop in and, and like go for a death match or whatever. So there is, there seems to be at least for me now, lots of good mission support. And there's also narrative missions where your team will have deaths and unlock new abilities and get new points and new specialties. And so there's quite a few different ways to play, even with just those 10 models. 
Nice. All right. I think we should take a drink order. I just finished my drink. Should we pause and I refill it or what? What do you have? <laughs> I had an old-fashioned tonight. Nice. Uh, well, it's up to you. If you need a refill, go nah. for it. Okay. I got a few drops left. I'll drink my ice water that's left. So, Patrick on our Discord mentioned a Merlot that was aged in rum barrels. Okay. Thought, wow, that sounded really good. Yeah. And it's nothing, uh, I think it was fourteen fifty a bottle. Yeah. And for that price range, it's really good. It's called Robert Mondavi Private Selection Rum Aged Barrel Merlot. And I'll tell you, it's good. It's red. And it tastes like Merlot. <laughs> and I get no no hints of rum, but it is a good fourteen dollar bottle of wine. Which is not a not a criticism of it because I think you can find some great wines at fourteen yeah, fifteen sure. bucks. Yeah. And so uh yeah, this is good. But I don't get the rum. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe our tastes aren't refined enough. I have no idea. I mean I, I've had good bottles of wine before. I mean I've had I think I've had a a hundred dollar bottle of wine before, and I'm not going to say I can't taste the difference, but you know the eight dollar bottle of wine it it does the trick. Well, this uh, this certainly has an oaky afterbirth. <laughs> That's what you want is an afterbirth. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Well, there's our there's our drink break. I do appreciate the recommendation because I think uh, some aged in a rum barrel sounds great, but. I bet if you park this next to a Merlot that was not aged in a rum barrel, I don't know if I'd be able to tell you the difference. And maybe that's me. But I'm going to keep drinking it. All right, let's play the war game game. We have a game. Yes, we do. Wait, that's the wrong intro. I'm, I'm terrified already. It's time for the game. It's the game of games. It's the war game game. How's this game work, Matt? Yeah, so, Rich, you get anywhere between 0 to 10 or 9 clues. I've never actually done the math to see how many clues you get. (laughs) And it's a base score of 10, and you subtract however many clues I've given you. And once, if you get it right, that's how many points you get. So if I give you three clues, you get seven points. Nice. All right. For those of you playing at home, you can let us know how you did, because usually I'm going to need a good eight or nine clues. (laughs) This is a tough one. Tough one. Uh-oh. All right. I'm going to look around. I'm going to try to... So I get I get one guess for free for my 10-pointer. That's right. It's the only way to get 10 points. I don't like it when you say that's a tough one. I thought it was tough. You're already making me nervous. Uh, I'm going to go with 1914 Serbian Mushturbian. Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. Is that the game? No. no. Damn it. No. All right. All right. This game was released in 2017. All right, well, I have a chance. It's a relatively new game. So you're telling me there's a chance? Well, I'll go with uh, W1815, because you already mentioned that one, and that came out around that time, maybe. Not a bad guess, but no. This is a World War II game. That narrows it down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Brazen Chariots. No. This game was designed by Steve Dixon and Sean Reif. R-I-F-E. I hope they're not listeners because I have no idea who they are. Oh, Steve. Yeah, uh, Steve Dixon should ring some bells, but it doesn't. Huh. Steve Dixon and Sean Rife made a World War II game. They did. Um, the Hunted. That's honestly not a bad guess, but no. Okay. 
This is a solitaire game. Hmm. The Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> Was that really your guess? The Hunter. Well, I mean, if it's not The Hunted. There's The Hunters, The Hunted, and there's another one. So No, it's not. Probably not any of those. All right. Go on. This is a game in which you pilot an individual aircraft. Individual aircraft. Uh, is it the the uh, target for today? Nice. Is that it? You got it. Holy crap. Wow. What's it One, like two, four? Three, four, five clues, five nice. points. Steve be... Dixon. Okay, so now I need to look him up. Nice. my Man, I was hoping you were going to get to two, clue two. So now that we know the answer, or... I guess it's clue nine. Uh, if you play this game yesterday, you are too late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, you actually came up with a good one instead of a rhyme. Uh, right. Well, I had the rhyme. I had the rhyme for clue ten. But Steve Dixon. So he's done. Okay. So picket duty. B twenty nine. Target for today. Target for tonight. All right. Have you ever played this game, Matt? No, but neither, and neither I've never played B seventeen either, which is what kind of led me down this rabbit hole because yeah. b17 queen of the skies is like this you know it's it's up there with up front is like great yeah. old war games right yeah. but i've never been able to play it but neither of us are big solitaire only guys guys no i did i and have that... followed like some games like people do some write-ups aars on mm-hmm. bgg and i've looked at them but again I, I i know what i like yeah yeah i'm kind of the same way i mean i have played and enjoyed some solitaire games but I'm sort of leery toward them unless I have already, you know, have something else to tell me that I'm going to like it. So he has another solitaire game coming out, spoiling a little bit of the Legion newsletter called Skyhawk set during uh, Operation Rolling Thunder. Yeah, that one looks interesting. Yeah, it it does. I will be very interested to see how that plays out. And like, again, like, what's the complexity? Can I get it to the table without the the hurdle of um the leader games yeah i've got a book it's on my to read list it's pretty close to the top so i'm gonna read it probably this summer um i can't remember the name of it offhand but it was written by a friend of my father-in-law who was a thud pilot in vietnam so i'm looking forward to reading that one i just want to check in for our listeners and just do a quick like have you checked the score do you have the score up next to you the hockey game yeah yeah, I'm a couple minutes behind, but yeah. Okay, what's the score right now for you? 2-1 Blues. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what I'm seeing too. Okay. How how you feeling? So we have two minutes left in the uh, the second period. How do you feel? Uh, I mean, I always feel pretty good about this team. They're getting majorly outshot, but they don't look bad. So, you know, as as we saw a couple nights ago, the, the Blues are... They don't, they don't quit. They don't give up. And they've got enough offensive push to come back when they need to. So, And they just barely missed a goal. Kemper was way out of the crease, and the defenseman saved it on the power play. So, Nice. Yeah. Have, have you ever played the arcade or NES game, Rolling Thunder? No, I don't think so. Okay. It has nothing to do with Operation Rolling Thunder. But oh, okay. as a kid, my uncle had a copy of Rolling Thunder. We didn't at our house. And I always thought it was so cool, like, Oh, I want to play Rolling Thunder. It's not a very good game. <laughs> yeah. I read that one book last year from uh, one of the Wild Weasel guys, and it was okay. It wasn't great. but All right. It's such, certainly a, a cool topic, though. I mean. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, Brad Smith has the Wild Weasel game that we talked about last month coming out. 
which that looks cool. Yeah. All right. We have two featured games tonight, folks. Yeah, we do. So we have our regular featured game, which I've already spoiled, is Captain C from Mike Nagel. We're going to talk about that one later. We also have a patron pick tonight. And so this patron picked Front Toward Enemy, which is a game that you and I have both talked about mm-hmm. um, as wanting to play, and they wrote in. And uh, so this was Michael, or Mike, <coughs> and Mike wrote in and said, hey, my pick is Front Towards Enemy. Of all the taxable Vietnam games, I think this best captures the feel at the company grunt level. Before Mike was a doctor, he was a medic and then a field artillery officer in the 82nd Airborne. The game captured his attention about the war, and yeah, I think he's just a big fan. And it it was nice. You know, we have another patron pick coming up that I'm very excited for, but it was nice to have something like Front Toward Enemy has been something I've wanted to play since 2019. Yeah, I've been wanting to play it for a while, too, and unfortunately, I did not get a chance to play this month, so I'll let you take a lead on it. Yeah, so I got some feedback with that in mind to help kind of balance out so I don't hold all the power here, a little check and balance. But let's talk a little bit about the game Front Toward Enemy, Multiman Publishing, 2019, designed by Joe Chaken or Shaken, I'm not sure. C-H-A-C-O-N, sorry, Joe. Uh, And this is, as Mike pointed out, a tactical Vietnam game. Um this is not historically based scenarios, so the scenario may be uh, search and destroy, or it may be something like uh, just reconnaissance and force. Or there's one that looked really interesting. I didn't get a chance to play it. It's like I don't remember what it's called, but it was basically like hold out until help arrives. Which like, oh yeah, that I really want to play that one. Oppose. I think you're the Americans trying to hold out until the helicopters come in and evacuate you out. Okay. So they're all they all have this generic feel. Um, which was a turn off at first, but once I started playing them, it really didn't matter to me. And so they will each have a, a pretty typical setup with where your troops come in and a lot of hidden information. So the VC forces may be hiding civilians, maybe hiding dummy counters, maybe hiding bunkers, tunnels, rice, ammo, food, medicine, whatever you name it. And each side is either trying to wound or kill the other or the U.S. side is trying to discover all these hidden objectives. And that's you just kind of accumulate victory points and there's thresholds for each of the scenarios. And there may be specific ways for each scenario to pick up more victory points, exiting units off the map, that type of thing. Uh, I started to play this game solo. So do you have any, I guess that's the broad overview, like kind of generic based, mission based Vietnam ranging from some scenarios they say like will take two hours i think it plays a little bit longer than what they predict mm-hmm. um and then you can so, get like pretty big sure first question on the table does it look like asl or last hundred yards or something in that scale yeah um it looks like last hundred yards okay more way more so than asl it has a wonderful table presence Okay. The maps look great. Counters look great. Charts, the scenario cards, I think, look great. They're pretty, like, just, you know, five, six, seven bullet points or numbered points um, with the counters you're going to need. And uh, beautiful maps. Okay. What's the, uh, I mean, what's the basic gameplay like? The activations, is it? Right. Like so a- th- this is the selling point. This is chit bait or chit pull tactical. Okay. And its um, shit is, is it a squad or is it a, a company? It's, what? it's one activation. 
Okay. And so in every scenario I play, the U- and I think it's a default rule, the U.S. player gets the activation first, and then you start pulling chits. Okay. And if your chit comes up, you can either activate a single counter. Okay. You can activate all the counters in a hex, or you can activate a leader and activate everything within two hexes of that leader. Okay. There are some other rules, like with how you can put a leader in a vehicle and do vehicles, and if helicopters start adjacent to each other and they each do the exact same thing, they can all activate at the same time, which is awesome. Like, you have, like, a full, just your whole helicopter force flying in on turn one. Like, you can't help but, like, go look up Spotify, Vietnam playlist, crank it up yeah. as, as he moves across the map. Yeah, it's so play, cool. Play Apocalypse Now. Ex- right. <laughs> so you have these chits, right? And the activations, there's less chits than you have counters on the map. Sure. And so, you know, a, a lot what people who are more educated than me when they talk about tactical games they express this command this concern of command and control like how is command and control portrayed in the game and it it this game is a really i think a prime example of an introductory tactical war game but it does a like it's a banger it does a wonderful job of it like it's better than band of brothers and but it's not the complexity of asl or ats or even the nuance of last hundred yards it's a really low barrier to entry but it still, I think, captures things like command and control and captures the feel of what I imagine the feel of Vietnam should be. And so you have less counters than you do troops, so you need to maintain those activations. But then you also have, like, you can't leave all your guys grouped together or someone's going to call in a fire mission on your ass and then hit them all. Okay. And so you're weighing this, like, do I spread out? But then that means I'm not going to be able to activate everything. Do I stay condensed? That makes me a better target, but then my command is more effective. And so you just alternate activations. There's some, like, nuance to it. You know, like, if a helicopter activates, the chit actually goes back in. Um, there's a random events chit. And the the interesting thing here... So that's activations. I guess any questions for that before I get into, like, kind of, like, op fire and stuff? No, that's what I was curious about was how the uh, activations. I think that's probably the heart of looking at the game not knowing what's what is what it is so yeah yeah and and so op fire opportunity fire is per activation so the same guy if the u.s player has eight chips eight mm-hmm. chits the same guy could op fire eight times you know depending he's got line of sight and all that stuff right because op fire goes away after every chit but it's per activation so if you have a leader and that leader ends up activating six squads you're only getting one op fire per activation, not per unit. And so then it goes back to this, you know, like effective command. Like you're all moving at once. There's only one opportunity to shoot at one unit on that activation. Okay. And that kind of also ties into like combat is only against one counter in the hex. So like you can stack. If you overstack, it's easier to shoot someone. Um, but you're not unless you're doing like a fire mission if you're doing small arms fire you're targeting one specific counter in that stack and resolving fire against that interesting it is it makes for like one i think it encourages careful planning to make sure you have when i was playing this opposed my I basically set up in the middle of the jungle, which was so dumb. I should have set up on the outskirts of the jungle. I had no idea where the U.S. forces were going to come in at. 
because they were all on helicopters. They weren't, ex- you know, entering right. from like the north side of the map or whatever. But that means like I then had to waste turns getting to the edge of the jungle to see out. And then as soon as I become visible, then, you know, they get off fire and all this stuff. I really like this, Rich. I really like that it's it's an introductory game without sacrificing Vietnam. Like, you can still capture a Vietnam-like game without the rules overhead of other tactical games. Okay. Now, I'm looking at the BGG page. Looks like, is there four scenarios in there? Or is it no. four cards, eight scenarios? What is no, it? I think there's... There must be five. I think there's 10 scenarios or, okay. or but anyway, anyways, there's around that. Okay. So that's a decent amount. I mean, it's, it's equivalent. That's about what's in last hundred yards. Yeah. The downside is it's three years later. Last hundred yards came out in 18, I think. Uh, something like that. Or yeah. 19, yeah, right so. around the same time. And we since have had three, just like last hundred yards where you have generic scenarios we've had a lot more support for the last hundred yards. Right. Unfortunately for this, and I, I'm not done playing the missions and I'm going to continue to keep playing this game, which is a good sign for a game. Um, there's no, I don't know what's on what the future holds for front towards enemy because I have heard no buzz about this game in the last two years. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, I guess I didn't really, uh, like I said, I, I've been interested in playing it, but I, I haven't really followed it either. So, but yeah, there's, yeah, sorry. I'm looking over the page on BGG, just trying to see more information about it. And yeah, it doesn't look like there's any, I mean, there's no buzz or any expansions planned or anything like that. So I don't know if it's dead in the water or what. Right. And there could be development going on. You know, MMP obviously operates differently than GMT, who's much more public about like, you can start supporting the game much earlier than the, in the production process at GMT than I think you would at MMP. I think a highlight of this game is how hidden information works, which is a this is not a solo friendly game. The the introduction scenarios like I've I've talked about like I'm okay with soloing some tactical games because they still tell a story even if you have hidden information. Mm-hmm. But so much of this game comes down to actually carrying out a search action like oh i'm gonna search here and then like oh i miss all right next turn i'm gonna get it oh i missed again all right i'm gonna keep searching this jungle hex until i find what's here that doesn't work solo when you like know like it's a dummy counter right sure um and so like yeah it works like you can put a conceal marker on a machine gun and like play around it and still play a fair game if you're playing solo this really requires two people hidden information low barrier of entry and what when I talked to our buddy Rex about like what 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 did he think about this game as we were playing is he he thought that the gameplay would like develop a meta that captured Vietnam. And his example of that is how you would use like Ford observers and like maybe use your setup to control the US landing zones and maybe lead them into traps like if i put all my forces in this part of the jungle you're not gonna land so they just open up on you as soon as the troops exit the choppers you're probably gonna land somewhere safe yeah and then that means as the viet the viet cong or or the nva 
You maybe set up a forward observer or a leader to drop in fire support. Maybe that's where you put your booby traps. Maybe that's where you put your sniper or, or something like that. And that is a really, like, once you start to think about that, because my beginning setup was so bad, it's like, oh, yeah, like, look at this these cool things you could be doing, like, kind of steering to influence the gameplay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's... So ASL has that search mechanic. Um, it's not used in every scenario, but it's there. Lock and load, I think, uses a search mechanic as well. I've only played it once, but I think I remember that. Um, Last 100 Yards does not have anything like that. So um, lock and load is, from what you're describing, might be the best comparison of this game because lock and load, technically you could find ASL stuff for Vietnam, but it's not really made for that. But lock and load sort of spans more time. And I know lock and load has some uh, some Vietnam stuff as well. What what makes this different from? So first of all, what makes it feel like Vietnam, and what makes it different from something like Lock and Load or uh, Last Hundred Yards or ASL? How the fire mechanics work there, and how the op fire works. Basically, you can activate and op fire. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, if you fire an ASL. You fired. Right. Barring, you know, certain rules. Yeah. But in all intents and purposes, you're done for the turn. And so the Vietnamese player can op fire, pull their chit, and scoot back. Or, you know, another thing that really captures Vietnam is each helicopter is a counter. And so you're flying over the map, and your slicks can be on the map for they have to drop off and they have to get out. Mm-hmm. But then your hogs can stay longer and they can, you know, fly over and try to like, what's interesting is like, you can use your counters to like bait out their forces to see what's there. And that's what Rex did in our game. Like he flew over, I had hidden information in Hamlets and he flew directly over the Hamlets trying to hopefully find out like, all right, where's the machine gun in the Hamlet mm-hmm. and which are these are civilian hexes? Because if I shoot a civilian... I'm going to lose victory points. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's definitely something I haven't seen in any of those other games. Right. A lot of jungle crawling movement as well. You know, just like the terrain features obviously make it feel like Vietnam. Combat is, I think, the weakest point. And it's only the, like, like what is the effect of combat? So every, every counter that can do combat has a, a fire rating, and maybe it's four. And then you're going to have all these modifiers, strain modifiers over stacking modifiers. There's only like eight of them that you consider, so it's not cumbersome or anything like that. And so you're trying to roll under that. And so let's say you roll three. Okay. You've secured a... D6 or a D10? D10. Okay. Maybe you have a minus two modifier, so you're looking for a six or less to hit. And if you hit, then you go to the effects table. What is the effects of the hit? That's just a flat roll. And as much as I'm excited about everything else, like helicopters flying over the jungle and like where are they going to set up a landing zone and how do they fan out from that landing zone and how do you manage your control and like when do you call in fire support, all of this stuff that I love, you get there, you go through it, you're doing all these things, you get to combat, you secure a hit, and then you just roll a D10 and then it's completely flat. You can have the best fire mission with coordination between your troops and the, the hex you're targeting and have like a minus six modifier. And that's a big attack. And then you go to the results table. Doesn't matter how strong that attack was. You just roll and then it is what it is. And that kind of feels bad. Yeah. 
you know, in ASL or something like that, if you have a minus six modifier and you roll, generally you're going to have a pretty kick-ass result. Oh, yeah. And it the result is no different in front towards enemy if you're a plus two modifier and you hit or you're a minus six modifier and you hit. Your yeah. subsequent roll after that, Sure. I see if you roll a six, it's always a six. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing. I can see why. I know it's kind of like this, like, oh, we're building up to it. We're building up to it. Okay, we hit, and then, uh, and you can get cool results. You know, you can you you can wound someone, and that's that's another thing. Like, if you wound someone, you have to get them off the map. Like, that's a super Vietnam feel. Like, you don't just like leave your guys there. Okay. And so you can exit them off. Uh, You can use medics to like roll for them. If you want to exit a wounded guy off, you have to pick them up with other guys and carry them out of there. and so, like, you can get those results, but it's all outside your control. And that's too bad. Yeah. Because up up until that point, this is, like, this is a kick-ass game. So it sounds With, like it's got the feeling that you like. Yes. We've talked about that before. Yes. A hundred, I really like the command considerations in this game that, when I was playing solo, weren't apparent right away. But mm-hmm. the more I played and the more I talked to Rex, like, oh, like, this is a more interesting way to, like, think about my activations by, like, actually limiting your op fire. Or, like, you're off, you're going to get six op fires if I, you know, like, chop up all my activations. So, like, I need to consider these things. There's very interesting considerations. It's just, that's probably my biggest complaint is just the combat resolution is a little anticlimactic. Cool. Any other questions? I don't think so. Anything else we need to know about it? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You load up and unload and drop off choppers and fly choppers on a map, and it feels awesome. And you have mortars, and you have separate fire missions, and machine guns, and booby traps, and bunkers, and search missions where you're just trying to find the tunnels. A lot of cool stuff that I think really does what I expect a uh, a tactical Vietnam game to do. I think this is like the most recommended reading we're ever going to have. Because like all of our top hits are Vietnam books. Don't you think? Like Chicken Hawk. Sure. Well, uh, Matterhorn. Sure. We Were Soldiers. Yep. I'm going to throw one at you that I don't think you read that I think works here because you're doing tunnel searches. Tunnels of Coochie. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's about uh, tunnel rats. Cool. And the claustrophobia and, like, balls those guys had. No thanks. But um, uh, if I die in a combat zone, you know, you got any other Vietnam books you like? Uh, I'm sure we're missing some, but I can't think of anything right now. I think... uh... Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to check my reading list. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Obviously, Matterhorn is amazing. So right, and here's a selling point: when Joe was reading Matterhorn, is when he got the idea for this game. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, some really cool. I think he said in his designer notes, like incorporating the like wounded troops and medics, which medics don't do a whole lot other than give a die roll modifier, but at least like they're still present. And that was a big part of it. And so, like, reading his design notes was really interesting. Um, all around. So, big picture, final thoughts, whatever you want to call it. This is a fantastic game. 
I'm going to read like, uh, so I asked knowing that you had a busy month and that Rex wasn't going to get in or that you weren't going to get it in. I asked Rex who I played this with is, um, a low barrier of entry is a big selling point in this game. It's a one-off that's not part of a system and the implementation of hidden units and uncertainty are all things that like make this a very good game. There's, and he also pointed one thing I didn't talk about is just the asymmetry between United States and NBA VC. Um, and then he also said he hadn't played last hundred yards, but he would give the edge to FTE front towards enemy just because last hundred yards, which is also, you know, this breaking the barrier of tactical games mm-hmm. is in the world war two space. Here's Viet. Here's something in the Vietnam space little more distinct so sure those are the considerations for you i know like obviously you couldn't actually rank this game but um i think i had a, a spot in mind from the beginning i think the biggest question is where does this compare to last hundred yards yeah i that's that's the obvious first question last hundred yards is 26 so yeah. we call that our starting point sounds like you like this one better so here's the deal. Last hundred yards also has a weird combat resolution, right? Like yeah. you, you set up all these combats and then you only take one of them. Yeah. And it's got the unique time mechanism that that's, no other game has that far as I know. That's true. True as well. I like them both a lot. I think this is right around there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Cause now I like at this, you're split hairs. Do you want to play world war two? Do you want to play Vietnam? They both have their own nuances. I think Last 100 Yards has a higher barrier of entry, but that that's fine. Like, we have all kinds of games with high barrier of entries. That's not a knock against it. Front Towards Enemy, the easier game to get into. Last 100 Yards, way more support. You have three games with a Russian game on the way that you could put it in there. So let me let me take a step back then. Uh-huh. Number 28 is Men of Iron Tripack. So this yeah. is a, a lighter game. Okay. It sort of fits in with that easier barrier to entry game. How does this compare to that? I like this more. You like this more? That's a very okay. good comparison, actually. That's a okay. super good comparison because you have Men of Iron, which is this tactical ancients game, but it's not the difficulty of SPQR. Right. Here's a Vietnam tactical game that doesn't have the difficulty of ATS, which is the only other Vietnam Okay. Tactical game I can think of. Because so in the some... middle of those two is a game that's totally separate from any of them is Normandy 44. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about it. That's not the best in that series. I would put this above Normandy 44. And then we're splitting hairs between 26 and 27 with this in last 100 yards. I'll give the very slight edge to last 100 yards right. if you're okay with that. But I, it's so close. Yeah, that sounds fair. So I put it at number 27. Nice. That was our 50th game, Rich. Nice. We're we're gonna cross that century mark in a few minutes here. (laughs) We're gonna bump all the way up to a hundred. Well, half century mark. Round up. (laughs) (laughs) Round up. (laughs) Uh, I guess. Dang it! I should have said. Oh man, Patrick, I'm never drinking wine again while I do this. We have a list. (laughs) We have a list. Yes. We have a list of every war game ranked from worst to last. And when we talk about ranking this game and it ending up number 27 uh, is our process of ranking every single war game ever made, ranking them from beginning to worst. But really, we're just here to chip away at the uh, the mud 
to shape this into clay. And you know what? Sometimes Rich's hands or my hands cramp up. And so then we got to call in someone like Rex, just like, hey, Rex, like, what do you think about this game? And that's okay. You know, maybe it's a little bit like the scene in Ghost where Patrick Swayze's like putting his arms um, ar- around. Is it, is it Whoopi in that movie? I'm, I'm picturing you and, you and Lawrence doing that now. Yeah, well, I'm Patrick Swayze. It's not Whoopi Goldberg, is it? E- either way. <laughs> no, it's Demi Moore. Okay, I've never seen Ghost, so for some reason I'm I'm imagining Patrick Swayze around uh, Whoopi. And Lawrence is obviously Whoopi. Uh, so, yeah, we have a list. How many? So that's number 50 on the Every War Game Ever list. Yeah. Rich, how many games do we have to go? Well, we've got to do at least 50 more, but okay. we can stop if we rank every game that we own. Nice. But our our collections are not in sync. Well, it's got to be every game that each of us own. Okay. And, and if we get a game that, that you own that we're going to rank, then I guess I have to buy it. Or we just need to hang out more. Can't argue. Yeah. All right. Hey, we have another game. I yeah, just did a lot of... month. Yes. And this was the patron vote. So first off, thank you, Mike. Thank you to all of our patrons for your support. But thank you, Mike, for that excellent recommendation for front toward enemy do not be deterred that it came up in the bottom half of the list because we have a very top heavy list i think coming at number 27 is higher than i expected front toward enemy once i started playing this oppose and got away from the solo gameplay i think is when this game shines so excellent recommendation i think this game is worth checking out and if you've wanted to try a tactical game this replaces band of brothers for me this is this should be an entry to tactical games. Bam. There you go. That's a All selling right. point right there. All right. So a game that also does not solo very well. No. Rich, why don't you do some heavy lifting and give us an intro for Captain C? Sure. So Captain C is a game by Mike Nagel, and this is actually a pretty new game. This one just came out last year, I think. Yeah, right around uh, Christmas. Yeah, from Legion War Games. So uh, this is a game. It's ship-to-ship combat in the Age of Sail. And, and that describes exactly what it is. This has been the year of naval wargaming for me, so this fits right in. Age of Sail is right in my wheelhouse right now. So, um, But the interesting thing about this is it's literally one ship and one ship. This is not fleet combat. Um, there are some rules in the back of the book if you want to add a third player in, but that's not what this game is for. This game is designed for one ship, one ship, two players. Um, and, and that's that's what it does. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, the map is obviously just blue, a blue grid. <laughs> you know, it's just the middle of the ocean. There's no obstacles. There's no islands. There's there's nothing to put out there to, to block off the map. And, and what I think is cool about the map is in the middle of the map, it shows which direction the wind is blowing. Um, and because this is all relative on uh, basically theoretical endless ocean space, um, the ships never, like if you get to the edge of the map, which usually doesn't happen you just move both ships back to the middle of the map because the relative position is all that matters in this game so the ships will move around a little bit relatively to each other but mostly they're going to stay you know if instead of having a ship move six squares because he's moving with the wind if both ships are moving six squares then they just stay exactly where they are um the the really cool thing that i like about this game is the activation system yes yes Um, Every turn is divided into uh, 12 activation cycles, 
And uh, you can have, I guess theoretically, you could have as few as one of those activation cycles, or you could have as many as 12. Usually you're going to get something like between three and six, seven, or eight, something like that. Um, but this is where the game really shines because the whole gist of this game, the point of this game is to stress the importance of having the wind gauge. So the ship that has the wind at its back and it's going toward the other ship is going to get a lot more activations. Um, it's going to get, you know, I mean, when I was playing with my life, there was a, my wife, there was a time, I think she had something like, she never got to 12, but she was up around 10 or so and I had like two or three, which meant every time you go through that 12 cycles, so you're just going to go through one at a time. Uh, if we hit a one and you have an activation here, then you get to do your activation, which could mean you get to actually move or it could mean you sort of bank that activation because the move that you chose mm -hmm. is going to cost three activations. Um, but then anytime either player gets an activation, or their guns are reloaded, they have the opportunity to shoot as well. So it sounds like there's going to be a lot of shooting, but it takes a while to reload your guns, um, depending on how good your crew is. And having a better crew is really an advantage in this game in a lot of just ways. Um, but once your guns are reloaded, if you have a shot, you can take it, or you can just wait and, you know, you can try to get them into a broadside. There's, there's chaser guns that don't do much good, but... Um, Basically, you're just, you know, you decide when to shoot and both players are going to get to shoot simultaneously. Anytime anyone decides to shoot, they can both shoot, basically, um, and they'll shoot simultaneously at that point. There'll be a lot of smoke on the map, so your next shot may not be as good. If you know that your opponent is shooting, you might want to shoot now so that you're not shooting into a big old, you know, smoke-filled square next turn. Um, the one thing I did think was odd is that on the damage chart, which is pretty cool and detailed because you can bend depending on whether you shoot high or shoot low and how you roll and how good your crew is basically there's two strategies in the game you can try to take out their rigging or you can try to take out their hull and when i played with my wife it was actually we got to see both because she was trying to take out my rigging and i was trying to take out her hull and i liked hull a lot better because hull you have a lot better chance to kill the crew so I was just I was just pounding away at her hull, which also takes away her guns and also kills her crew. And I end up winning the game because of that. Whereas the rigging, it's a little harder to take a ship down because when the ship gets to half rigging, they can't move as much. They get fewer activations, but you also do less damage to their rigging. So um, the end of the game basically ends when, when one uh, ship strikes their colors. And there's different ways to cause them to take a strike check, mostly by doing damage to them. But there's a few other things in the game as well. There's some cards that you can play for minor bonuses here and there, but they're a small part of the game. The big part of the game is maneuvering and using the wind to your advantage, or if it's not to your advantage, trying to get it to your advantage. Yeah, I think I just have two very quick, amazing write-up, and I agree with everything you said. The activations is brilliant yeah. in this game. Uh, two things. That win position that is so crucial for your movement also dictates, let's say you have any so many activations. When you get your activation, you're going to pick a secret block, right. and that's your maneuver. And the maneuver you can do, you have like a menu. That menu is determined by where the wind is relative to your ship right so wind is super important in this game i love it and then the, the other quick thing i'll mention is you also manage crew points so you allocate your crew to certain stations maybe it's to boost your speed 
obviously you need to man your guns. Maybe you're dumb. You know, if Rich is on my, I'm going to break so many rules right now. If Rich <laughs> is on my left side, I am What's assigning. What's left side, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm assigning as many crew points to those guns as I think I should. And then I do have a quick question. I never, I should have just done it to see it. I never got into melee. And so like you can assign. We didn't you, either. Yeah. You, you actually assign... have to sail into the same hex. If yes. You do that. It's yeah. You, yeah. You like kind of like tether them and, uh-huh. um, but you can assign guys to melee and like damage repair. And so you're also managing, it's not that big of deal, but you're, and especially like if, when I was sailing the constellation, I think it was 20 crew points. You kind of got to like do what you want, mm-hmm. but it is like this almost kind of like currency that you have to like maintain, um, to do the actions you yeah. want to do. But once you start taking some hull hits and losing yes. crew members, you're like, <laughs> right. crap, I can't really man these guns anymore. I really need to get my rigging fixed up. I need to do all these things, but I don't have the guys for it anymore. They're all dead. So one thing I will say, so when we were playing the game, we played the first turn and the, the initial setup of the game, you're both facing the same way. So basically because you're both going the same speed, the same direction and everything, you just, you don't do much. You're like, okay, uh-huh. there's a couple activations. And then my wife turned with the wind and I turned away and, and all of a sudden she's got like 10 or tw- 10 activations and I've got three. <laughs> and both of us looked at each other and were like, this game just got really cool. Right. I, now I know what this game is about. Yes. And, and from there on, our entire strategy was like trying to, you're like looking ahead, trying to think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be trying to do a broadside two turns from now. And I need to make, I have the, make sure I have the activations and make sure I have the wind because the wind even affects your shooting. If you're shooting into the wind, you're more likely to go low. If you're shooting with the wind, you're more likely to go high. I'll just say I'm, I, I, I'm sad that I only played this solo because although it played fine solo, the choosing of the maneuvers, yeah. like, well, so sometimes it's obvious what you're gonna do, but I I missed out on that, and then, but I am glad I played solo. I am terrible at these games. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it, but like even uh, Buffalo Wings, um, like <laughs> the joke was like we played for an hour and I did all this flipping around and doing all this stuff, and then we looked, and after all that turning and stuff, I was facing the same direction, <laughs> three hexes forward, like 500 feet lower in altivation yeah. after all of that. And it's like, so that's me in this game. Yeah. Um, but I'm not good at those things, but I agree 100%. Like, once, yes, once you understand, like, what this game is trying to emphasize, which is wind. Yep. You, you know, and if you read Mike's designer notes, he talks about that, you know, like, why didn't he go with the approach from this is the same designer from um, flying flying colors colors. Mm -hmm. or, you know, why not use the Oak and iron, you know, template system or something like that. And one, his point was there exists. And two, he wanted to capture the, the importance of, of wind and effective sailing. Yeah. And I never, I mean, you think about fleet, big fleet battles, but like you and I both read six frigates recently, there was a lot of one-on-one combats. I mean, right. it's a big ocean and the navies weren't that big and they weren't really going out in fleet strength for the most part. They were, it was one, one frigate trying to take down, you know, one trade ship or something like that. Well, and that was America's biggest success. And this was, re- this really is a game about highlighting those early six american frigates i mean the same books from six frigates and this are are the same ships you know it's constellation constitution uh the president and i'm gonna forget the rest of the names united states whatever 
Um, that's the point of this game is to model them against French and British ships. And yeah. Yeah. And there's only three, uh, three navies in the game. There's America, Great Britain and France. So there's, there's a bunch of scenarios for different uh, historical engagements, but there's only, only the three navies and they each have a full set of counters and one ship and a full set of blocks. Right. And your counters are really just tr- information trackers. Yeah. Um, and then like what kind of shot you loaded into your cannons. Yep. Yeah. The only thing that really goes on the map is the ships, uh, the, the wind direction and then smoke. Smoke. Yeah. So with that in mind, my I have two, one complaint and one concern with this game. One is just variability. Like because when when you when you load up a new scenario it's still mm-hmm. one ship on one ship right. the things that are changing are the crew quality the hull quality you know how fast the ship is number of guns number right and yeah. so that's and that's enough like to keep me interested for sure but you know at some point i don't know how much variability there is yeah it felt kind of samey and like i was so there was one point my wife, I mean, we we're literally in squares next to each other. Fo- both fired a full broadside. <laughs> and I mean, we're expecting this huge thing to go. And by the time we did like defense dice and everything, it's like, oh, that was three hits. Yeah. Like we've got this chart that goes up to, I don't know, 15 hits or something. And it's got fire and everything. And, <laughs> and we're like, wait a minute. That's like literally the best shot that I can take. And I got three hits on you. <laughs> Yeah, so I I started with like, I guess it was the first scenario, and then I immediately like ramped it up. Like, uh-huh. I want the constellation. Yeah, <laughs> and like turn that baby up a notch. Yeah, and then you do get more guns that way, but you get a lot of defense dice. It's basically, right. you get the number of guns, which for a full broadside, depending on your range, um, you're gonna roll probably six to twelve dice or something like that, um, and then. Then and they're going to hit on a five or a six, um, but if you have a good crew, they're going to hit on a four, five, or six. So maybe you're looking at six hits or something like that. And then your opponent gets defense dice, and they block usually on a six. But there's DRMs if you have smoke and stuff like that. So you know by the time they block a couple of them, maybe if they get a good roll, or even three of them if a really good roll, all of a sudden you're like, again, this is the best shot that I could take, and it really didn't do that much. I do have one if so if that's my concern my complaint is just overall production quality and there's I think a few instances that the counters and the ship sheets and mm-hmm. even the map I think look like the map is just a blue ocean but it, it looks good on the table yeah uh, and like the menu of actions and and like, again your ship cards all great your ship counters are cardboard octagons yeah. And you put a sticker on them. Yep. There's three ship counters. Yeah. Why not make those nice cardboard printed? You don't yeah. have to put a sticker on. The other thing is, and I wish I had painted mine, your active, like your maneuver selection are these like one inch by one inch thick cubes that you put a sticker on. Right. And they're all bare wood. Yeah. And for those. I really felt like, why do I need all these blocks? Right. 
Right. Those they just they just seemed unnecessary to me because the only purpose for those blocks is to pick your next uh, action selection, and that could be done a lot easier. So. Yeah, you could do it with chits. You could do it with a secret die. If you're gonna go the blocks, then I think you need to include red, blue, and white blocks. And more stickers, like right. have something on the backside. I know, I know. Everything that, else in the game is red, white, or blue. It's white for France, red for Britain, blue for U.S. I know that Legion is a small company, and I'm not picking on them here. They don't have the production manpower of GMT, obviously, and that's fine. But look what Commands and Colors does, and I know that way more volume, so it's way cheaper. But why not do a Commands and Color size block? And, you know, I don't know. I just I just felt like there were just some production quality concerns all around. There's a rata. There's a rata with everything we've talked about today. Yeah, so that's fine. That's going to pass. It doesn't I shouldn't even mention it. Most most of the errata was there's ship quality and crew and then status. And it seemed like he took three terms and turned them into two terms at some point in the uh, rules. And it never quite made it into the final cut. Yeah, and there was some with defense dice that was off. But, like, if your main focus is this, these two counters on this whole thing, I like the octagon thing, but, like, deluxify it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, again, I get it. Smaller print runs, all that stuff, but just, uh, I guess that's nitpicky, but it is something that, like, was in the back of my mind the entire time. What about yeah. you? Did you have any complaints? Uh, I mean, I felt the same way. Um, my, my biggest complaint was, um, yeah, the, the same idea of Shit of the Ships was a little thing that, with minor annoyance, the blocks seemed unnecessary for what they did. It just seemed like the wrong solution for what they were trying to do. And then, like I said, firing a full broadside from one square away and you do three hits felt disappointing. Right. I can see that. I guess I kind of like chalk that up to like how effective was combat but i guess if you're right next to each other with a full broadside yeah um then yeah you obviously should expect something um we should talk about so i I think we're in agreement on recommended reading but i don't want to speak for you i think it's six frigates yeah yeah six frigates is perfect for this one i mean that is about the same six ships that you're going to see in this game yeah and then I'm trying to remember the name of the other book I read last month. I'm looking it up, but that, I mean, that would be another one for, for this time period. So, um, what was it? Uh, broadsides, the age of fighting sale. Yeah. It, it wasn't an amazing book, but it was good. And it, it covers this topic really well. There you go. That was the one that had the great chapter about the, uh, battle Trafalgar. Nice. Yeah. That's because there was Trafalgar was an intro in which, you know, that's another time. I would love to see some <laughs> Trafalgar action, but you're not going to find it here. Yeah. Uh, good. Anything else you want to say about the game? No. We have a list. <laughs> we have a list. And this time, Rich is Patrick Swayze. Yeah. And, and I am Whoopi. So I'm trying to find a good enter spot in this. And part of it is, yeah. part of the problem is we don't have anything like this on our list so far. I would agree. But um, if you take away the naval part of it and okay. just consider it a one-on-one tactical game, which I think is fair, and then I think it puts it right in that same area that we've been talking about. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit lower 
is my thought just because of replayability can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. I just don't know once you've seen this thing do its thing, how much more are you going to keep coming back to it? Yeah. Here's the deal, though. Once you know this and like have it down, like if if Historic Fest was next week, I guarantee either of you could pack this up and like just like teach someone and say, Let, let's do this thing. Like you're going to get it. Yeah. It's not a hard teach, I don't think. Um, so that's, I mean, that is worth saying. Like, it does have value in, like, okay, you know this. And, like, if you just want to sh- throw two ships out there and have them sail around and duke it out, like, yeah, it's a good game for that. But I think that's always what it's going to be, right? Yeah, I agree. So with that in mind, I think it's a little bit lower. Like, okay. uh, it's definitely below Men of Iron. So here's a game that I would say is fun. It's a light two-player game, does not have a super amount of replayability. Brave Little Belgium. Above. Yeah. I Okay. As, yeah. As soon as you said fun two-little-player game, I think this is above Brave Little Belgium. Okay. Okay. Uh, Fresh in our minds, NATO Air Commander. What do you think about that? I think I like NATO Air Commander better. Okay. Then, you know, our test there was Pavlov's house. Yeah, and I think I like Pavlov's house better. Okay, I'll probably draw the line there. Okay. I think I'd rather play this in Labyrinth right now. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not a big fan Labyrinth, of Labyrinth. So Labyrinth is a better all-around game design. Yeah, it's a good game design, but I, Labyrinth just doesn't scratch that itch for me ever. So. Right. You know, we may just be the sculptors of the mud, but we, <laughs> we did supply the mud. So, you know, if our bias ever gets in this list, I do apologize. But, you know, it is what it is. Nice. You can write to the manager. That's right. All right. So, and the manager can be reached at advance after advance after combat podcast at gmail dot (laughs) com. I really hope someone sends him an email. (laughs) So, Captain C is the thirty sixth best war game of all time. Nice, and we're at fifty one, which, like you said, rounds us up to. That puts Zeppelin Raider on the correct side of fifty. Titan, we're coming for you. (laughs) <laughs> how are the blues doing uh tie game 2-2 two, two. wow okay six minutes left on on my clock all right um so that was our every war game ever list we have um we opened it up to we have an amazing group of people that support our show um and you can do the same thing if you want to uh and it's a it's patreon and you can go there, and if you join, you can vote in our monthly poll for the game we are going to f- feature each month. Although, remember, we're taking a little hiatus for a couple months. So, August will be our next. And we're going to nominate a couple games for August, and then you can go join our patron and vote and do all those things. We do have a patron pick for august i won't spoil that yet but rich and i will both nominate a game starting now yeah so you're naval war gaming and um stick with mike nagel i'm gonna go with flying colors um a game i've never played a game that's sitting on my shelf waiting for me to play and that's my nomination okay i'm gonna I'm going to go, I'm going to try to be a little bit of a realist here. I'm trying to think of what I'm actually going to play, excluding Historic Fest games. I'm going to go with another solo game. Okay. Tarawa, ni- 1943. Nice. I would not mind playing that one at all. 
yeah yeah you, you know what I, yeah i could even like uh play it ship it to you and you can bring it back in august and when i have to buy a copy or anything like yeah, that that would be a good one so yeah we'll throw uh those two and up that fits in into th- a year of naval war gaming because sure. pacific war was a naval war yeah there's probably uh, some there were probably some fins there and... <laughs> yeah it all works so there you go uh, you can go to patreon.com slash history table, join up, and you can be an awesome patron just like Rob the Game Guy, who will shout out and say, Rob, thanks for being a patron for all these months. Thank you. All right. There you go. Uh, I'd be fine with either of those. Again, I really want the U.S. based Flying Colors game, but maybe like 5% less now that I have this game. Is that Serpent of the Seas? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Any any other comments or anything about the games we played or the every war game ever list? Uh, no, I mean, I would just, I, I mentioned that I played uh, Captain C with my wife and she really liked it. So she's got her, her stamp of approval as well, which, which shows that it's a game that's, it's not too hard to get into. She, you know, it's interesting. She, she feels like she's not good at these strategy games. So she kind of goes into them. She's got, she wants to play them, but she's like, I just don't understand this, but she, quickly picked it up i mean after all and this is what i always remind her i'm like this is a game i mean right. this is not you're not a captain at sea <laughs> you're playing a game so just remember that and you'll be fine nice this is not ender's game yeah <laughs> if i won't spoil that oh you spoiled it already, already. <laughs> yeah well someone needs to well you know it's a 30 year spoiler folks all right uh, good. I don't have anything else to add. My wife did not play Captain C with me. She was in front of me while I was playing, <laughs> but but Rex played Front Towards Enemy and he liked it. I will add that I did ask uh, our good friend Mitch about Front Towards Enemy, just in case you want some other opinions. I don't think he was as quite a big fan, but I know he played an early version of it. So yeah, if that helps you determine if that's for you or not, I do highly recommend both of these games. If you get Captain C before you put your stickers on. Go get some hobby paint and paint your blocks. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I really recommend it. Like, it's just a nice little thing to just make it a little bit nicer. Yep. You only need three colors. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have some listener question- questions this month. Yeah, first one. I'm going to have to let you take this one. No, I got to look. The, <laughs> we got to come back to that one because I know exactly what I'm going to answer, but I actually got to look up what it is because... Okay. Um, so let's let's start with Marco's question. Okay. Uh, Marco asked essentially, where do we want to see Atlantic Chase go next? So I mean, the obvious answer is Pacific World War Two. Hundred percent. But I think you know what I think would be cool is uh, modern Pacific. I mean, so imagine Uh-oh. that. Imagine that China invades Taiwan, and we have to respond to that. I mean, we could have you could have an Atlantic Chase type game, modern era with satellites and missiles and everything else that goes about it with us trying to get troops and supplies into Taiwan. So either way it's Pacific, but I think Pacific is the Pacific world war two is probably the obvious answer. That's amazing. Um, because I think that's the right way to answer. I agree a hundred percent. It should be, sorry, I'm trying to look up pictures of something to answer one of our other questions. Um, so I'm cheating a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> Pacific is obvious because I want to see both sides operate um, aircraft carriers because once you understand and implement the strategies 
of aircraft car- carriers in like aircraft carriers kick ass in Atlantic Chase is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so giving those to both sides, I think rocks. As long as you don't have them engage in the fleet battle. That's... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did that one time and quickly realized, what the hell am I doing? I don't want this guy to get hit. <laughs> So doing that in the Pacific, yeah, you're right. 100% that makes sense. Um, I think now that you're talking about like modern, I think that's really cool because what a way to improve up, like really take the system in new directions. You can still have the fog of war thing, but now you have new ways to mess with that fog of war and mm-hmm. like intercept. Yeah. So whether you did Cold War like fleet or did something modern, bam. I, yeah, I like it. Um, nice. So let's go to Patrick's two questions and we'll start with, uh, Patrick. I've been playing a lot of the Columbia block war games and he asked which side I preferred in Julius Caesar. So again, this is Pompey and Caesar during the Roman civil war. Um, and it's a lot of like bluffing and Pompey Rome is open. And so someone has to make the first move to Rome, but then Pompey can't just sit back like Pompey has to pick somewhere to attack whether it's on the east side of the Mediterranean or you try to do stuff for Spain or you try to take Rome like all that's fine I think Pompey's my choice um I think they have more options open to them like once I think things settle in I think Caesar's a little bit more reactive it's a very light game it sounds way more I'm making it sound way more in depth than it is but my vote is Pompey uh, Rich, when are you going to get in on the Caesar salad action? I don't know. Hopefully soon. I set up my account for uh, Rally of the Truth, so I haven't played any games on there yet. So, Okay. Patrick also asked, what is our favorite company to buy in all 18xx games? Hmm. Miners or like... I was, I was thinking major companies. Okay. Um... Man, I don't know. I'd have to, like, actually look at a map or something. I will say that... Okay, so here's the one I like. Um, in 18 mechs, one, the, one of the ones that is in, like, the northwest and gets the hell away from Mexico City. Because Mexico okay. City is a death trap in the game. <laughs> nice. I don't know which one it is. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I've got a couple. One... I think that the Delaware Lackawanna and Western Railroad in 1817 is just far superior than all the others. I think if you implement the right strategies and consider the right uh, just way to leverage debt as well as when to short, when to float, which trains to buy in, that because they're the correct shade of purple, they're far superior to all the other major companies in 1817. (laughs) And for those not in on the joke, 1817 companies do not matter because you can start any company anywhere. That's the joke, folks. If I really had to pick one, I don't want to follow in Lawrence's shoes, but let's be honest, there's one train company that has a palm tree in their logo, and there's a whole bunch of others that don't. And that's the Florida East Coast Railway from 1832. There you go. And they have a palm tree. Purple and and palm trees are the way to go. That's right. Um, you can expect our tier ranking of eighteen seventeen companies uh, on a future date. All right. Uh, should we do the other stuff? Yeah. GMT update first? Sure. We can start there. 
So I got excited because I was just sort of perusing the GMT update, and it is the year of naval wargaming. I saw Admiral of the Ving- Ming Voyages, and then I saw it was a solo game and thought, oh, well, no way. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I am interested in it. It's David Thompson and yeah. Jeff Engelstein. Really enjoy both things that those guys do. The pinball game from Jeff is fantastic. He had a great podcast. And David Thompson's stuff is obviously fantastic. We're big fans. I don't need a P500. And we're talking about Zhang He. Yeah. Zhang He. Uh, looks good. I just like, I don't need to own it right when it comes out. Yeah, it's definitely not something I'm jumping on. And I don't know. It, I was, I got excited when I saw Admiral. And then the other one, the other new one is Rebellion Britannia. Uh-huh. CDG, yeah. card-driven game. Yeah. Don't really know too much about it. It's another one. I'm not going to be 500 that, but, you know, I figure good things about it. Uh, Miniature Market will probably have it. Yeah. I don't want to knock the game. It's just, um... You know, with the baby on the way, I'm just, like, not jumping all over these things. Mm -hmm. Look, low-complexity, card-driven game that plays in 60 minutes. Yes, please. I would love to try that, and I hope it's good. I just, like, I'm just not getting excited about a lot of games right now. I haven't even pre-ordered Hakapale yet, which just went on there. Really? Yeah. Like, am I okay? I don't know, but... Colorado just won the game with 4.9 seconds to go. You're kidding me. Oh, I'm sorry, man. Oh, well. Well, that was a. I hope McDavid scores nineteen goals the next series. <laughs> so you're pulling for the Oilers? Yeah, anybody but Colorado. Fair, nice. Okay, so yeah, there's their update. Let's do the guessing game, shall we? Yeah, sure. That's the. Oh, I did have one thing in the shipping soon or something that got my. Uh... Or maybe is that the printer? Well, this is not good radio, so I'm not going to. Uh... It was. Next war stuff, right? Getting close. Uh, the next supplement, I think, is close, and maybe Poland Volume Two, but I can't remember. Yeah, not Volume Two. Yes, Version Two. Going to the printer in June. Inferno, which is the Italy living campaign. Mm-hmm. Banish the snakes, which I know a lot of people are excited for, and then the two next next war Poland Second Edition, and then next war Supplement Three. Those were the things I was excited about. Yeah. All right. Uh, scrolling up. So we have a fast plane CDG based on Twilight Struggle. Okay. I'm guessing it's, you know, they did that Horn of Africa game. I'm guessing it's something like that, but who knows? A solo system for one of our most popular games. Solo system. I wonder if it's Twilight. Well, Twilight Struggle is the most popular game. Maybe like a Levian campaign? Yeah. Solo system, because I know you can play it that way. I don't know. Solo space exploration game, more fun for down and flame. You know what? This isn't sparking a lot of joy. Yeah, more fun, probably just an expansion. Sure. All right. On to the next one. Let's go to Legion. All right, Legion's up. Okay, so we have uh, Legion War Games. This is their quarterly update. Uh, and I don't know what we want to hit on here. You know, Fire in the Mountains coming out. That's been on their pre-order for a while. Uh, this covers South Mountain. Uh, has some great art. I may, you know, I may just be a wait and see thing. They had a tactical ancients game. The one thing that is close is that Skyhawk game, which we already talked about, and then a game I'm really excited for that they're continuing to develop is a glorious chance, which is the Lake Ontario solo naval game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did anything jump out at you here? Like, did you see anything in their catalog that you hadn't seen before that caught your eye? No, there's nothing on this that maybe look at it and immediately jump at it. the skyhawk one definitely looked interesting um i guess aces of valor 
I don't know if it's, um, you know, uh, just noticing more, whether it's, but it seems like World War One Ariel is all of a sudden a big thing. So, wait, are you jumping over to? Oh, am I looking at the wrong one? Is that le- you're looking at Revolution? <laughs> no, I'm looking so, at Legion. What's it called? Aces of Valor. Uh, yeah. Scroll down. Aces of Valor. Yep. Okay. So Legion well, War Games, uh, so Aces I'm of the Valor, one. a solitaire game of World War One aerial combat. I'm the one that's poo-pooing because I think Revolution has a World War One combat game. I'm so sorry, Rich. You're no, right. That's right. And that's and that's gonna be coming out this year. Yeah. Yeah, development yeah. complete. So Skyhawk and Aces of Valor both uh, I mean they both had my attention. You may keep your eye on them. Yeah. Nice. And then there's another one I just scrolled down further, still in development of Air Raid Pearl Harbor. We should we should talk about La Primogenita. Don't even maybe butcher that. So this is World War II East Africa, but designer Kim Kanger. So this is he had a game called Road to Sharon by Revolution Games, and that it's a different game with a similar topic that he's redeveloping. Looks fantastic. Anything by Kim Kanger, I'm gonna keep my eye on sure. and be super interested in. So that's other than a glorious chance, that's kind of what jumped out at me from Lee. Yeah. So, in case you're not familiar, Kim Kanger, uh, Dan Benfu, Final Gamble, which is, uh, I don't think we have it top 10, but it's close. It's one Yeah, of our, it's, one it's of in the great games. games. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We got it in uh, 12. Nice. Yeah, Burma, and then he's got that, uh, um, the exploration game. Dark, Heart of Darkness. Yeah. Which was almost every war game or the war game game game, but that's not really a war game. <laughs> I just didn't want to have that debate. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump over Revolution. Yeah. So Revolution, that's there's another company we're big fans of. Uh, they had some new games announced. One called Warsaw 1920. Mm-hmm. So it's Battle of Warsaw, two player game. This looks uh, like the same system as Konigsberg 45. I'm not sure if it is, but it sure looks like it. Okay. Well. It could be, but I do think they share Revolution games to me kind of look similar. So yeah. it could be, could not be. Death of the Army. Yippers? Yippers? Ipers? <laughs> I think Ipers? it's uh, Eep. No, it's not. Yeah, I think it's Eep. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're telling me that Y-P-R-E-S is Eep. It's French, man, or French or uh, something. Okay, well, egg on my face. I mean, I'm sure it's it's not Eep either. A French person would say it different, but it's closer to Eep than it is Yipris. <laughs> I Well, you may be right there, but I don't know <laughs> if I believe you on this. Uh, so designed by Carrie Anderson, beautiful cover art, like this really uh, striking design with like this cream-colored sky and then a splash red. It looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know anything about it. We talked about the World War One game, Eagles in the Sky. Uh, so I'm going, I'm filling time here to scroll down to more blind swords, another South mountain game, but it's called a greater victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like the map for this one. Really like it. Like the, the, the sharp, like well, lots of different level of terrain here. Yeah. So is this, is this, it's not a Rick Barber map, but you can tell they're influenced. Right. Um, and, Which makes sense. I mean, he did the older games in the series. so. And I think if you go look at some of the recent stuff that he did work on, that I bet you're going to see Edmund Hudson's name also tied. Yeah, it could be. 
to those. I think they work together. Yeah, Charles Keebler too. Yeah, which I think he did the counters. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I know I've seen his name. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, this is Blind Swords covering South Mountain, which is part of the uh, Maryland campaign. Uh, so leading up to Antietam. Legion also has a South Mountain game coming out. Uh, looks great. I will be getting this one. Nice. Uh, not a Herman Lutman game, but I guess he's using the uh, just using the system, which That's is true. great. Yeah. And then, of course, the sale, which we mentioned. Go check that out. Yeah, they've got some really good prices on some good games. And some Blind Swords games on there. Stonewall Swords, Longstreet Attacks, yep. Kernstown. Yeah. Thunder and those arcs is on sale too. Alright, good. Those are our uh, roundups. Uh, I was going to talk about PAX Premier and Rally the Troops, but we kind of already did. Uh, did you have other stuff this month? Not really. Like I said, I've been playing some non-war game stuff mostly. We played a lot of pandemic season zero we're more than halfway through that now and we've been playing some arkham horror stuff like that yeah have you gotten the uh, i was listening to you on uh, chance of gaming have you gotten the whole gang together for uh all four of you to, into one have you done a four-player game yet for arkham horror yeah no we haven't even tried honestly my my little one she's i don't know she's at a weird age she's 12 and she's getting to that age where she's kind of too cool for stuff so mm. She just, she's been kind of tuning out on a lot of games. She's been doing good playing Pandemic Season Zero, but a lot of other games she's just kind of frustrating to play with. So so we've been playing. I played with my wife and older daughter, and I played with just my wife as well. So Good. Well, uh, I I was glad to hear you're enjoying it Yeah. on Chance Gaming. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else that we can... I mean, we already talked about hockey, so that you know checks off our well, hockey hour season's of over we don't have to talk about it anymore how dare you <laughs> all right Go so it's edmonton edmonton colorado lightning or winner of canes rangers which will be canes who who if you had to pick one or root for one for the rest of the playoffs who are you picking uh rooting for canes good boy picking gosh i don't know i, I it's hard to pick anyone but lightning. Like if I had to put money on it, I'd think I'd go with lightning. They're just, man, they just, they don't, they, they know how to win playoff games. And I'm you really know, hoping that McDavid just embarrasses the Avs because Kemper does not look good. And I don't like the Avs. So we were talking about this last night. I'm not convinced that it's Florida running out of gas. Cause they looked really bad in round one early yeah. as much as it's Tampa is going to be unbeatable. That's what I'm telling myself when the Kings get there. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so the we'll Kings see. look good. I mean, nothing yeah. against them at all. They've had some flashes. They've also had some real stinkers against the Rangers. Yeah. They lost last night, right? No, they won. They won. So they're up 3-2? Yeah. Uh, they are up 3-2. to two. Okay. Yeah. And with Florida, like you said, we were talking about this last night. With Florida, I think it is... You see this, you see offensive based teams. A lot of times that offense disappears in the playoffs for a lot of reasons. Cause you know, playoffs get called differently by the refs and just different things going on. A team that hasn't been there and doesn't have the playoff experience, but offensive based teams, a lot of times crash like Florida did. I mean, they made it through one round, but sure. Yeah. But I mean, there was a lot of, but Tampa did this three years ago, right? The year before COVID. Yeah, they won sure. the President's I mean, they Cup won the President's like Cup most... and got swept in the first round. 
tied for tied for most wins in a regular season and yeah so sure i get it all right i think the only thing i want to talk just you know what hey historic fest is under three months away we're going to be doing the drawing soon for early giveaways nice that has passed but everyone who registers for historic fest gets a game everyone who registers for historic fest gets food and drink and then you just get to play games and hang out and have a great time in kansas city so don't forget there's tons of free shit cool stuff going on and I still need a third opponent for Brotherhood and Unity. You can join our Cube Rails game on Saturday night. We're going to play a bunch of Cube Rails game and an 18x game on Sunday, 1832, where maybe you can control the Florida East Coast Railway with their palm tree logo. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, check it out. Com, uh, historicfest.com. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, but check it out. I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be a really nice... Uh, break and uh gaming session after the baby but i'm really looking forward to this year i've got a nice lineup of next war brotherhood and unity um we're gonna play some stratomatic hockey train games alien rpg one shot i'm gonna squeeze it in an asl game like it's gonna be a good good weekend nice i actually am not signed up for anything well i think i'm signed up for one learning game um but for the most part i'm wide open i, I still need to sign up for some stuff but i'm just looking forward to being there yes yes drinks and barbecue and all the good stuff and most importantly just games with a bunch of people hanging out and playing games that'll be a good time yeah uh you got anything else uh no congratulations to you and your wife enjoy your time with the the new peterson thank you you can keep an eye i i really appreciate that i i was moving into my transition too quickly thank you we're very excited um we're taking a break folks we'll be back at the end of august after historic fest in the meantime you can catch four episodes of deserted island dads with me and a bunch of special guests uh just drinking or not drinking hanging out talking games talking games with family talking about why we play games talking about things that aren't even related to games it's just a good uh chat those will be dropping over the next couple months you can check out our website it's historyonthetable.com Soon there will be another guest top five with a uh, friend of the show, Judd Vance, Hamtag. Uh, we're talking about our top five filler games, which is an interesting topic for war games because typically when you're talking filler, you're thinking like Eurogame 9 or something like that. Um, so that'll go up soon-ish. You can join our Discord. There'll be a link in the show notes. It's open to everyone. Come by. Do our uh, vote. You can share what you're drinking. Join in a columbia block war game talk train games talk hockey um talk about who you would pick if you were picking one historical figure that predates hockey to be on your hockey team um unfortunately for all of us Mitchland picked nevsky before any of us thought of it because i picked xerxes for some reason <laughs> uh going for height rather than actual ice skill so you can do all that stuff you can talk about why the u.s civil war is better than the civil war all that stuff all on our discord and have i plugged everything uh yeah i think you got it all right hey well while i'm away you can still catch rich rich is on the air almost bi-weekly Sometimes less frequently, sometimes <laughs> randomly, at sometimes Chance of Gaming. Yeah. yeah. And you you can follow him on Twitter. Yeah, Trapier Jr. I'll be there. I'll be uh, following the Stanley Cup playoffs without my blues. 
and playing the Red Storm expansion. Yeah, I saw someone got it. I saw. I think it's it's hitting European households now. But as soon as it hits here, I'm definitely gonna be playing that Baltic approaches. So. Really? Like, is it a like clear the table then let's do it right away thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, okay. um, yeah, I don't have anything else actually on my physical table right now. I'm trying to decide what to put up next. I've been mostly playing stuff online. Well, actually, I'm playing Twilight Imperium tomorrow, but that'll oh, just good. be a one day deal. Very good. At your house? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, good. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, at History Table Pod, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, but I think the best place these days is uh, Discord. Yeah. Discord's always active because I can just sit there and do that while I'm also working. <laughs> How dare you, Richard? <laughs> How dare you, is all I have to say. <laughs> Look, there's only one way you get through nine games on Rally the Troops over two weeks. <laughs> it's not by saving your turns for the evening, folks. All right, that's going to do it for us. This was a really fun episode. I'm glad we got two games out of the way. Really enjoyed them. Really appreciated the votes as well as the nomination from Mike. Solid game. I hope to see all of you in August at Historic Fest. It'll be a little bit of radio silence for me, but there should be some good stuff for you to check out in the meantime. All right, everyone have a good week. And for really all intents and purposes, have a great summer and all that stuff. Yeah, enjoy, and uh, we'll see you guys online.